Uh, shortly joining us will be Dr. Isaac Bogosh. He is a tropical infectious disease specialist at the Toronto General Hospital at the University Health Network in Canada, our neighbor to the north. He is the lead author on a paper that evaluates regions in the Americas with the potential for Zika virus transmission. Now, the World Health Organization, you've probably heard on the news, has warned that the Zika virus is spreading explosively, and it is spreading in the Americas, and that as many as 4 million people could be infected by year's end. Officials at the CDC have urged pregnant women against travel to several countries. Those are in the Caribbean and Latin America, and that is where the outbreak is growing. Uh, Now, Uh, We are going to um, talk uh, with the doctor about specifics uh, with this virus, and it's good to have him with us, Dr. Isaac Bogosh, a tropical infectious disease specialist at the Toronto General Hospital in the University Health Network. Dr. Bogosh, thank you for joining us. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, You know, I have to tell you, I wish I had known uh, you and your name (laughs) before. (laughs) We'll talk about that. I'll mention that a bit later. But... um, the Zika virus, um, there are people uh, out there, the CDC is saying pregnant women uh, avoid traveling uh, to the Caribbean, avoid uh, tra- traveling to uh, Latin America. A lot of times when we hear about viruses, people think of the continent of Africa. Uh, but this one is different. Uh, this is a tropical infection. It's new to the Western Hemisphere, but it does seem to be hitting the Americas, correct? Yeah, that's, that's exactly correct. So we've actually known about this virus since the late 1940s when it was first isolated in Uganda. Uh, actually, it was isolated in a forest called the Zika Forest, and hence the name the Zika virus. Uh, it was thought to be just in Africa and parts of Asia for a long, long time. But then in the middle part of the 2000s, it was found in some, uh, during some outbreaks in some uh, uh, islands in the, in the South Pacific. And then uh, it was likely introduced to Brazil sometime in the middle part of 2014. The first cases were identified in Brazil in the middle part of 2015. And since then, it spread uh, rather quickly throughout tropical parts of the Americas, headed as far north as some parts in Mexico as well. Now, this is a disease like there um, you know, are many, malaria, uh, dengue, yellow fever, West Nile virus, that is transmitted by mosquitoes. Zika is, correct? Yeah, that's right. And uh, the mosquitoes that transmit this particular infection are the same mosquitoes that transmit several uh, infections that that you mentioned, uh, namely dengue fever, uh, yellow fever, and uh, there's another virus that was introduced to the Americas a couple of years ago called chikungunya. So this is the same type of mosquito that transmits uh, Zika virus. I think the uh, the other thing you pointed out just a second ago is, uh, you know, uh, tropical illnesses and, and, and uh, the effect that these have. But we have to remember that for the vast majority of people that get infected with Zika virus, 80% of them aren't going to have any symptoms at all. In fact, 80% of people won't even know they were infected. And the people that get infected with this that have symptoms, the people that are unlucky enough to have symptoms, are going to have a really mild course. It's, uh, you know, typically a few days of a fever, maybe a headache, maybe a rash. Some people get some irritation in the eyes. That's called conjunctivitis. But uh, it's typically a very self-limited illness. It might last a couple of days, three, three or four days. And most people who have symptoms won't even be sick enough to seek medical attention. They won't even go to a doctor for this. So by and large, it's a pretty mild infection. And, of course, the real concern here is, what is the association with this infection during pregnancy and the resulting uh, birth defect that people are talking about called microcephaly?
I want to, and I want to get to that in just a moment. So in May, there sure. was an outbreak in Israel. Until now, nobody on our side of the world really was infected. Um, one, why is that? Is that simply because, you know, I mean, you're not bringing back a mosquito and we don't have the mosquitoes carrying that here as much as they, you know, they, they would be in Uganda. Um, and, and, and also, even though we may not even know we have it and it's not a, uh, you know, a death sentence, uh, doctor, correct me if I'm wrong, but don't few of us, very few of us, have immune defenses against this particular virus, and that's one of the reasons it's spreading so rapidly? So, yeah, a few points here. So um, the Americas, in, in particular tropical parts of the Americas, have the right temperature, the right climate, the right environment, and also the right kind of mosquitoes there that can facilitate transmission of this virus. So what likely happened was sometime in 2014, Someone landed in Brazil that had this Zika virus infection. And, you know, when you're infected with this virus, the virus is only in the blood for a few days, maybe up to seven days. So someone landed in Brazil with this virus, likely in their blood. They may or may not have even known they were infected, and they were bit by a mosquito. The mosquito picked up the virus, processed the virus, and bit another person and transmitted the virus to another person. And this cycle continued and continued, causing the outbreak that we're seeing now. Stepping back, why, where, where, why did someone come to Brazil with this virus in their blood? Nobody knows. I mean, was it for the World Cup in 2014 that brought in, you know, hundreds of thousands of people? Maybe there was also a, a large international canoeing contest in Brazil in 2014, and many countries uh, from some of the Pacific Islands that were having Zika outbreaks. Uh, Zika outbreaks at the time were participating in this. So these are just theories of when and how the virus was introduced to uh, to Brazil. The fact is, it was here. We had the right conditions in in, uh, in Brazil for uh, for this virus to be transmitted from person to person, and and uh, and now we're seeing the result of that, which is a rapid spread of this virus through tropical parts of the Americas. You hit another great point there too, is that. People in the Americas don't have, have – we've never seen this virus before. We've never been exposed to it. It's not known to be found in the Caribbean, Central, or South America. So our immune systems uh, aren't primed to fight off this virus. You know, it's hard to know what the immune system is in many people in Africa or Asia where this virus was found before. But it's likely that many people have had exposure and are immune to the virus there because it's just found in those areas. So now, because we have the right mosquitoes, uh, the right temperature, the right uh, the right climate, and we have a, we have the right conditions that are set up for this virus to be rapidly transmitted through a non-immune population, and that's exactly what we're seeing. And let's talk about transmission. Mosquitoes, but aren't there a couple of cases where they were it was transmitted through a blood transfusion and semen, or is that uh, are these yeah, urban legends? You know, there's been one case of the uh, of the uh, uh, the Zika virus detected in semen. You know, I think the real area to focus on here is mosquito transmission. That is going to be by far the primary mode of transmission. Uh, we don't know enough about this virus uh, right now, you know, January 28, 2016, to say, you know, is this going to be a big issue with uh, the virus in, in, in other body fluids? But we know for sure this is definitely a mosquito-transmitted infection. Uh, the issue about blood, uh, blood transfusions is, a, is another really good point. And, in fact, yesterday the American Blood Services uh, uh, wanted to put a halt on uh, uh, 
getting blood donors who have recently traveled to Zika virus affected areas. I'm uh, I'm calling in from Canada, and uh, our Canadian blood supply is uh, is uh, doing the same thing uh, today or tomorrow. So, you know, people that have recently traveled to Zika virus affected areas, they might have bitten bit bitten. They might have been bitten, bitten by a mosquito. They might have the infection. Uh, they wouldn't even know if they had the infection 80% of the time. And if uh, you're a regular blood donor, uh, you can certainly have this virus uh, in, in the blood. And, uh, and I think out of an abundance of caution, they're taking these measures now. Now, you had started to talk about, and I do want to talk about what can hmm. or has happened in infants. And, and there's uh, experts are just beginning to figure out now, right, and, and don't fully understand the connection that there is brain damage that can be caused or has been caused by the Zika virus in infants. Is that correct? So it's partially correct. So what we've seen is in Brazil, for example, in a typical year, there are 100 to 200 cases of this condition called microcephaly that are reported every year. We can talk about microcephaly in a second. But uh, in 2015, which is when Zika virus really started to uh, to uh, propagate in, in Brazil, and there was, you know, hundreds of thousands, maybe even a million and a half cases, it's a, not not clear. Uh, there was a, a large spike in the in the number of cases of microcephaly reported. In fact, they had over three thousand reported cases. Uh, in addition to that, there's been uh, they've been able to detect Zika virus in what's the known as the amniotic fluid of uh, women uh, who are pregnant and who are infected with the virus. And in some uh, babies that didn't make it through to delivery, who uh, who uh, died during uh, during development. Uh, they were able to detect Zika virus in some of the tissue of these of these unborn uh, children. So these are arrows that are pointing in the direction that there may be a, an association between the Zika virus infection during pregnancy and resulting birth defects. But right now, no one can look you in the eye and tell you with 100% confidence that A causes B, that Zika virus during pregnancy causes uh, microcephaly and birth defects. It very well might be the case. You know, this is an extremely active area of research right now. As you can imagine, it's, uh, you know, it's got a tremendous impact. Countries like Brazil and El Salvador, for example, are telling women don't get pregnant. So this is a, a tremendous area of research right now. But we don't have all the answers right now. This is still very, very new. And these countries are, 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 are developing policies to help protect the public because we just don't have enough information now, and they want to make sure that the people are protected. Um, I want to um, also ask so that, you know, you know, people understand fully, because when, when people hear about viruses such as these, and, you know, you have shows like Monsters Inside Me, yes, I've been watching those. I would think that, yeah, yeah is, I, I'm sorry, Doctor, I hope with all due respect you'll have a good laugh on that. Um, that's yeah. probably like an infectious disease specialist porn for you guys, right? Do, uh, Monsters Inside Me, I'm just joking. Uh, yeah, I've but, only seen it once, but... <laughs> <laughs> but, but um, uh, a doctor, uh, you know, people out there, they hear this and, you know, the mind is a very powerful, powerful thing, as you know. Um, yeah. You know, so what are the symptoms? Should we tell people symptoms? And if so, how does someone know if they've been infected? Well, really, most of the time they won't know they were infected. So first of all, you have to be in the right place. So we know it's in tropical parts of the Americas. And, you know, if uh, people are interested in following where this virus is being reported, they simply have to go to their computer and type in uh, uh, or put into Google or whatever search engine they're using, CDC 
and Zika virus. And uh, the CDC has a wonderful website that is updated uh, very, very regularly. It shows the countries where it's being reported. It has information for uh, uh, for the general public. It has information for healthcare providers. And I would say that's probably the best resource out there now. It's uh, people who have no knowledge of uh, uh, medicine uh, or infections can go on there and, and, and read this. It's in very easy to understand terms. And then it's also they also have a page for physicians that want to learn more as well. So it's a great resource. It's updated regularly, and you can see exactly where this virus is. You can be up to date on every policy that's come out, and travel advisories as well. So it's a, it's a terrific resource, and I'd encourage people to look at the CDC webpage for, uh, for regular updates. Uh, We're going to take a break, Doctor, when we come back. More questions on Zika and a quick thing I wanted to share with you since you are a tropical disease, infectious disease specialist. We'll be back with our guest. If you have any questions on Zika virus, give us a buzz and do it fast because our guest is with us only for one more segment before Wide Open Telephone's next hour. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Dr. Isaac Bagosh is our guest, tropical infectious disease specialist at the Toronto General Hospital. Back after this. Talking about the Zika virus with Dr. Isaac Bagosh. Uh, Dr. Bagosh is a tropical infectious disease specialist at the Toronto General Hospital University Health Network, part of the University Health Network. Dr. Bagosh, thank you for holding and welcome back. Um, thank you. Uh, first of all, are pregnant women and their, their babies in utero uh, at a much higher risk? And are there recommendations that you would make to those women uh, listening that are pregnant or, you know, men listening who, you know, have a loved one or a friend that is pregnant? Yeah, I mean, the uh, I agree with the CDC guidelines now, and and uh, they recommend that pregnant women or women or women who are considering becoming pregnant in the near future avoid travel to uh, countries that are affected with the Zika virus. Um, and again, that's really to prevent uh, these women from getting uh, getting infected. Given that we're in the midst of a, a pretty big outbreak of this infection, and it also reflects that we just don't know what the exact relationship is between infection during pregnancy and having outcomes such as this microcephaly in uh, in the unborn child. Um, you know, I, I should also mention that microcephaly is just one of many potential um, birth defects that could be associated with this infection. And I'm really trying to choose my my words very carefully here because I, I think it's important that we that the listeners understand that we just don't know. Uh, what the association is now between infection during pregnancy and having a poor outcome during uh, during pregnancy, but there's uh, just because that there is the potential for uh, for this poor outcome for microcephaly or other other birth defects. Um, the uh, the CDC and other public health agencies have recommended pregnant women avoid travel if possible to these uh, areas affected with the virus. I think the other important point too is sometimes you can't. You can't uh, avoid going to a place. It might be a very important family event or uh, someone has to travel for, for uh, other reasons. And, uh, and uh, women that do travel to, uh, to areas affected with the Zika virus, if they're pregnant, should really take every measure to avoid getting bit by mosquitoes. So that really means wearing long pants, a uh, long sleeve shirt, and uh, using mosquito repellent that contains uh, DEET, which uh, is very effective. So, uh, you know, people that have to travel, avoid, avoid, avoid mosquitoes at all costs. And if you can avoid travel, that's that's better. Um, okay, and that's for pregnant women. 
any uh, recommendation or advice that you would give uh, to people who aren't pregnant or maybe even people that might come into because they have to travel for business or they work yeah. in the healthcare industry, um, you know, long sleeves, for example, a spray with DEET. I mean, how does somebody ward off the mosquitoes since obviously it's not all mosquitoes but one type of mosquito and we, mm-hmm. we, we can't say, okay, you can come, you can't. <laughs> that's true, that's true. But, you know, uh, that's a, you raise a great point because if you're not pregnant and you're not going to be pregnant in the next little while go travel have a great time go on that business trip go to the olympics go to carnival that's coming up shortly i mean this is uh you're you know most people are going to be just fine and even though there is a big outbreak of this infection you know it's a typically very mild uh, uh, syndrome. Most people won't even have any symptoms at all. Yes, it's a virus, and like any other virus, there are rare, rare, rare complications. But for the vast majority of people, this should pose uh, minor to no problem whatsoever. And, you know, like anything else, they should always avoid getting bit by mosquitoes because you don't want to get other infections that these mosquitoes can transmit, like dengue fever or chikungunya. And these are, remember, these are the day-biting mosquitoes that can transmit these infections. At nighttime in, the, uh, in uh, many of these tropical areas, there's a different kind of mosquito that's more active at night, and these kind of mosquitoes will transmit malaria. So, you know, always before traveling to the tropics, people should uh, speak with their physician, and in particular should really seek a travel or tropical medicine uh, specialist to get good advice before they travel because, you know, there might be some vaccinations that... Uh, you might need before going. There might be some uh, prophylactic pills to take to avoid getting things like malaria before you go. So get good advice before you go. But as always, it's always a good opportunity. It's always good to not get bit by mosquitoes uh, because they can transmit many infections above and beyond Zika virus. Quite um, frankly, the least of their worries. Very quickly due to time, uh, Dr. Bagash, um, you know, people out there think we've created superbugs because we have antibiotics in our food or we take too many antibiotics. We pop a Z-pack if we have, you know, just a yeah. sniffle. Uh, do you agree with that? Uh, yeah, we've been uh, generally quite terrible with our use of antibiotics, uh, terrible as a, as a global population. We've used them indiscriminately for decades, uh, not just on humans, but especially in uh, farming areas as well. And uh, this is uh, coming back to haunt us now. We have many, many very resistant organisms. And, you know, it's not uh, exciting to talk about, and it's sort of, uh, is in the, you know, spoken about in the hallways of hospitals, but not necessarily in the, uh, on the radio or in the media. Uh, these are real, and these are causing uh, death, and these are, these are extremely important, and we really have to curb our use of antibiotics, not just in humans, but also in farming uh, populations as well, because these bugs are dangerous and and they're popping up everywhere so we've got to be very very careful with our use of of antibiotics okay okay and very quickly uh dr bagash just want you to know it took 12 infectious disease specialists worldwide to figure out i had a very terrible case of nathostomiasis i almost died in the process maybe i should have come to see you sir thank you for joining us uh dr isaac bagash tropical infectious disease specialist at the toronto general hospital